You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now, so get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lord. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 23, Truth or Consequences. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my companion through podcasting time and space, we have Paul Gann. Normalize. Normalize. (laughs) Normalize. (laughs) How's it going, Paul? (laughs) I just spit on my monitor. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's great. Oh, man. Well, well I, had it... so- I had soda in my mouth and trying to make that gurgling sound, so... Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> well, uh, it's been a week since we've recorded. Well, uh, two weeks since we've recorded, basically. Um, we did not have our Sarah Jane episode that we wanted to do this past week because I started a new job and my schedule got all topsy-turvy so um we're saving that for our next break that we have between two parters uh which will probably not be for a couple of weeks yet due to the way that it looks like the series is going uh, but we'll get into those details at the end of the show we are our own our only two standalones i think right it, this is what it looks like we're going to get two standalones and then the two-part season finale we're almost we're already almost done with this season, Paul. That feels really weird, man. It is. It is very weird. <laughs> but we're here and we're gonna be talking all about the Zygon invasion and the Zygon inversion from series nine this episode. But before we jump into that, we do wanna just address uh, a quick news topic of news out there because we did see some rumors getting thrown about all over the place that got a lot of traction uh, and they turned out to be completely false. So we did want to just sort of, if you hadn't already heard about this, we did want to let you guys know. The rumor going around was that next series, series 10, uh, was going to be cut short. It was only going to be six episodes rather than 12. Uh, the rumored theory behind that was because Peter Capaldi wanted to do other, wanted to ha- leave time open for other projects with his band and other film projects and that sort of thing. That is, however, not true at all. Correct, Paul? That's what I was reading. 
said that uh, Stephen Moffat and Peter Capaldi had both squashed those rumors and said that there was uh, no validity to them at all. Yeah, and Radio Times was the one that posted the the rebuttal by Moffat and Capaldi, so that that's a pretty reliable news source when it comes to Doctor Who. Uh, both of them saying that it looks like Series 10 will be a full complement of 13 episodes, uh, probably like this season with you know 12 regular episodes and a special, which right. is what we're getting. Just like year. last season. Right, <clears throat> last season too. So that's what we're, looks like that's what what we will be getting next season, uh, unless things change between now and then. It's entirely possible, but highly unlikely, as Capaldi and Moffat soundly squashed those rumors of a shortened season. And of course, we we said last week uh, or last episode, I should say, that Capaldi confirmed that he is coming back for another season. However, he did say in this last uh, article that the season following that is still uh, up in the air at this point. He hasn't made his mind up completely. And, well, uh, Peter Capaldi still has to you know, see what the stories are and get in the middle of filming next series. They, they, most actors only sign on for the next season rather than multiple seasons out. Uh, that's just the way the business goes. So... And that's, of course, all due to contracts and the way the story goes and what's going on in the actor's life. And so right. uh, it is entirely likely we, we will get at least two more series, which is what I'm hoping for with Peter Capaldi, but one series for sure. Uh, well, the, the longer he stays the Doctor, the more I like him. Yeah. Uh, we will get and, into that uh, here momentarily. Like I said before, he still reminds me a whole lot of Tom Baker. I'm, I mean, <laughs> he just really does. Tom yeah. being my favorite classic doctor. so Tom's my favorite doctor, period. So <laughs> maybe that's why I'm liking Peter Capaldi so much. Anything else on this news article, article before we jump into our review of Truth or Consequences? Well, Zygon Invasion and the Zygon Inversion. <laughs> I think we're good. Spoilers. All right. Uh, here's our obligatory spoiler warning, folks. Yes, we're going to be talking completely everything about this episode because there's a lot to talk about and it's good. So <laughs> we leave right. nothing to the imagination. Right. Uh, first of all, I got to say. It's happened. It has finally happened. Peter Capaldi has now surpassed David Tennant as my favorite new Who doctor. <laughs> it happened with these two episodes. So I've told everybody I've been waiting for him. I've been waiting for a breakout role, a breakout episode, a breakout scene. And boy, did we get that in the Zygon inversion, oh, yeah. which is the second episode of this two-parter. We got that in Bates. Oh my lord. And we'll, I'll get into all the things I want to say about that later when we get to it. But just overall thoughts for me on the on these two episodes is uh, it was intense, exciting, and shockingly emotional, emotional to me. It it had me questioning and devil questioning everything 
and it had me completely engaged the entire two episodes. Episode one, Invasion, the Zygon Invasion, uh, a little less so than the Zygon Inversion, but that's mainly because there was more setup going on uh, in the Zygon Invasion, and the payoff was really in the Zygon Inversion. So, Paul, what are your your uh, overall thoughts on these two episodes? I'll just tell you, the Zygons are at least from what I've experienced listening to other people, the the alien race that a lot of people like to make fun of because of the big suction cups on them and things like this, you know. And um, I really, really like the way they use them in this story, you know. Yeah. I, it, it, it did not come off to me as hokey or cheesy or anything like that. No. You know. And I honestly, I thought the makeup and all that was really well done. I mean, I, you know, it looked enough like the classic series to still match, but it was updated enough to feel new and fresh at the same time, which it was still very similar to the 50th anniversary uh, episode. Mm-hmm. But which this was a direct tie into, which I yes. think really cool. And. I, I really liked the fact that they took this this race of aliens that people tried to poke fun at and say, well, it's their cheese ball, and you know they you know they just you know, throw away you know alien race that you know people just want to make fun of or whatever, and really use them in a way that was really dynamic and and at some points even creepy. You know? Oh yeah, no, it's um, they are, they are. With these two episodes, they they are definitely in consideration for like top monsters of the new series. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> dude. I mean, top. I'd say that they're definitely in the top ten list of monsters for the new series. Maybe even a top five, depending on your list. But uh, I'd put them up there with the Weeping Angels and the the Silence and all that fun stuff. As far as new aliens. Well, they're not well, exactly new, but you know what I mean. And they, because of their ability to shapeshift and everything, and the way that they used that in the story, you know, it just, it really, you know, it left you wondering, is this person a Zygon? Is that person a Zygon? You know, mm-hmm. we don't even know if Osgood is a Zygon or not. I mean... <laughs> and, and with that, let's let's start jumping into the, the plot of these two episodes the, the whole thing kicks off with you know the the whole thing about the the osgood box we get this nice little intercut of action mixed with the osgoods pre missy um <laughs> because one of them is dead uh one of the original osgoods is dead uh thanks to missy just want to smack her <laughs> but the Osgoods talking about the Osgood box and how it's basically a fail-safe if the peace treaty and the ceasefire between the Zygons who are living among humans uh, on Earth and the humans, you know, start gearing up for war. They, they This Osgood box can prevent war uh, and it is a fail-safe if the, the ceasefire ever is ever broken. And then, of course, we get the opening sequence where Osgood, the remaining Osgood, in sort of a, a fifth Doctor referencing costume, 
is captured by some Zygons in a town called Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Which should only be a couple of hundred miles from away from me. Um, I haven't actually looked, but if it's actually a real place. <laughs> but yeah, and you know, we've got this whole thing about she holds the key to the ceasefire and then she's captured. But manages to send a text message to the TARDIS. It's interesting yeah. that she's got the TARDIS's phone number plugged into her phone there. Well, the doctor supposedly left her uh, as the overseer and the keeper of this box. And, uh, of course, we'll find out more about this later on. But this box is actually put in place to be sort of like the instrument that ensures that neither side ag becomes aggressive on the other one, sort of like the nuclear weapons on either side of the Cold War right. for Russia and the United States. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting dynamic uh, when you look at uh, the, the whole politics of this thing. Right. And so the Doctor, who has been playing Amazing Grace on his guitar... <laughs> zips off back to Earth to try and solve this problem. He can't find Clara. She's not answering her phone. He leaves 127 messages on it. Uh, 37. Oh, 37. 137 <laughs> messages on it. Um, trying to get a hold of her, which was funny. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but he locates two known Zygon commanders uh, who are in disguise to try and warn them about a splinter group uh, that is trying to destroy the peace between humans and Zygons. And the, the two commanders are, are shape-shifted, disguised as a pair of, uh, like, nine-year-old girls. Yeah. With blonde pigtails. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, thought it, I thought it was interesting, the doctors trying to talk to them on the playground. <laughs> and he Monster says, High and Cinderella. Yeah. He says, I know you're squishy, you know. You're blobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your blobbiness. And at, at first they don't at first they don't respond to him. And so he's just like, is he really just talking to a couple of girls now? <laughs> but then they answer and it's, you know. Yeah. Uh, this is our sense. jurisdiction. We will deal with this situation, you know. <laughs> and, well, they, I guess they deal with it because they then get kidnapped by this splinter group in the middle of the playground <laughs> by a pair of Zygons who are not disguised. Yeah. Right in front of the doctor. <laughs> yeah, that that was... Uh, yeah, they, they're, and they're screaming like little girls, you know. Yep. Uh, they, they won't break character uh, to even defend themselves. Clara finally looks at her phone and, and sees the doctor has called her 137 times. She's about to call him back, uh, but here's his message where he calls himself Dr. Disco, which <laughs> Dr. Disco and Dr. Fantastic were a couple of his names this, these two episodes. I'm... Doctor, you're going through a midlife crisis, aren't you? Um... <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but she's distracted by a boy crying on the stairs and he says he can't find his parents she goes into his apartment to find his parents 
and they're there but they're acting weird but they say he's okay and so she leaves yeah and then she gets back in touch with the doctor and uh did you just call yourself dr disco (laughs) (laughs) right Clara, the doctor, and the doctor are meet up at, at unit basically, and Kate Stewart fills them in on the situation about the Splinter Group in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, and the fact that the two Zygon commanders that were disguised as little girls um, have been assassinated there, and that She's Osgood a video too, right? Yeah, they got they had a video of it sent to them, and that Osgood was forced to read their demands uh, at a base in Termizistan, which is a made-up country, um, <laughs> as far as I'm aware. Turkmenistan, however, is real. The Termizistan, I believe, is, is made up. I could be wrong, because Europe goes through upheaval and, and renames themselves all the time. Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, so the Doctor and Unit all split up. The Doctor is going to fly to Termizistan to rescue Osgood. Uh, Jack, who is uh, Kate Stewart's second-in-command at Unit, and Clara are going to stay in London and try and root out the Splinter Group while Kate goes to Truth and Consequences to... Truth, truth or Consequences to discover what's happened. Of course, the Doctor is very happy to use his, his plane that he has <laughs> by being President of the World <laughs> yeah, she asks him, she says, I thought you didn't like being the president of the world. And he says, I don't, but I like the big airplane. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and this is where things start getting weird and interesting. And the first sort of sign that this could be very, very bad. The Doctor meets up with a unit commander in Termizistan, and they're going to basically uh, wipe out the Zygons that are hiding in this little village in this church before, you know, or bomb the town, basically, to, to eliminate them. But every time the unit soldiers try to, you know, are ready to fire and, and kill the Zygons... Zygons take on the form of the ones that they love. And this is new for the Zygons. We have not seen this power before. Uh, But there's a drone pilot who's got some missiles and she can't pull the trigger because two Zygons are standing on the doorstep uh, waving at the drone as if it's her husband and son. Right. And then when the troops actually march in, the, the leader of the troops that is doing the direct assault on the church he is seemingly met by his mother yeah these these were the the parts that started creeping me out a little bit you know Uh, and it was one of those things where in the back of your mind you had to know that these are zygons mm -hmm. we know these are zygons intel says these are zygons so this this has to be a trap of some sort and they all say this. They all tell us this. That this has got to be a trap. Be careful. They're going to do this to you. And then they get into the conversation. You know, the, the this guy's mother comes out and they start talking and she's pleading yeah. for her life. 
and the commander tells him to ask specific questions that only your mother would know and he tries to ask them and she sort of doesn't quite answer them but the answers that she gives are plausible enough to come right. from his mother anyway and she says that we're not the Zygons they traded places with us the, the, the ones back home are really the Zygons and it yeah and you're they, completely they brought us here everything. and we didn't want to come and they they left us here and now we're trapped and and everybody everybody in the unit basically has a family member or two standing on the steps of the church by the end of it and the the commander's mother says come inside and we'll show you the proof that you need that we're real and he stands down the the actual commander the unit commander Right. Uh, she's very pissed because she knows it's a trap. But she's not on the front porch. She's in the back with the doctor, and they can't actually see what's going on. So it's not, you know, it's a little more, it's a little easier for them to remain objective. But I swear, the entire, the more they talked, the more heart-wrenching the scene became, and yeah. the more I doubted the fact that they were Zygons. It, it, was that the effect on you? Exactly. It was, it was... It even affected me to the point where I was thinking, you know, what if this was my mom, you know, standing here begging me not to shoot her in the head? I mean, I don't think I could have pulled the trigger either, you know, because there's that little sliver of doubt, you know, and that to me was the scary part about it is because what if just what if what she was telling him was true? And he had shot his own mother. Right. Yeah, that's that's messed up. You know, it really is. <laughs> it really is. I mean, dude. <laughs> and so the the unit goes inside the church. The doctor and the commander barge in from the back, but they're too late. The Zygons have skedaddled out a secret tunnel, and the the unit soldiers are dead. Which, when the Zygons kill you apparently this time around they have this new power where they electrocute you and it turns you into a uh, electrically charged uh, lump of dust and hair you look like a brillo pad (laughs) (laughs) a giant brillo pad a giant sparking (laughs) brillo pad yeah Um, so they, they barge in and there's just a bunch of these Brillo pads all over the place. Um, <laughs> the the unit commander says that they may still be in the, t- the tunnel. They may still be accessible to the bombs in the tunnels. I'm going to start the bombing. And she runs off. The doctor stays behind to try and find Osgood. He does. And the bombing starts ahead of schedule, knocking out a Zygon who stayed behind. Uh, and so the doctor and Osgood capture this Zygon. Yeah, they they strapped him to a two-wheeler with some duct tape, right? Uh, Yeah, like basically a dolly, (laughs) a a moving dolly. (laughs) New Mexico. Kate has arrived, and she's finds truth truth or consequences empty. There's no one in the town. It's completely empty. Ghost town just wiped clean right and she ends up at the the sheriff's station the sheriff's office 
to see if she can figure out what's going on. And the seeming sole survivor of truth or consequences is the sheriff. And she shows up and starts to, to reveal the story of what has happened in truth or consequences. Apparently, you know, there was a bunch of British immigrants who showed up unexpectedly and were acting very strangely. And then there was a murder and one of them turned into a reptile is what she called it, Mm -hmm. Uh, which there was a a picture, a a drawing, a sketch uh, of one of these. And it was obviously a Zygon. And, you know, Kate keeps, you know, snooping for more information while the sheriff stays around and keeps asking her questions and shows her dumpsters full of sparking Brillo pads. Yeah. Yeah. There's just dumpsters full of them. Everybody seems to be dead at the end of it though, which this didn't surprise me. The sheriff is a Zygon and was really just trying to ply Kate for information it was the way they went about revealing that the sheriff was a Zygon, though, that I found uh, intriguing, you know, uh, because so? because she's telling the story from the human standpoint. And then all of a sudden she flips and she says that there was one young Zygon who hadn't completely learned to control their power yet, who accidentally changed back in front of everybody and that's when everything basically went to hell, mm-hmm. you know. And then that's when she, you know, reveals that she's the Zygon because she flips her story from the human standpoint over to the Zygon standpoint, you know, or, right. or viewpoint, I should say. And And that, you know, you're listening to it and you almost don't catch the switch at first. See, you know? I suspected her from the beginning, and so I was um, waiting for it. I was watching for it. I uh, didn't trust her from the beginning. I had my suspicions, but I wasn't 100% convinced mm-hmm. until I picked up on that switch in the way that she was telling her story. Right. You know, I just thought that was a, a very interesting way that they chose to do that reveal. You know, and that something similar to that happens later on in the story, too. But, of course, the the last shot that we get in this first episode um, of Kate is the the Zygon transforming back into its, you know, full red suckery glory and reaching out as if it's going to electrocute her. And it cuts. Cuts away. Meanwhile, back in London... This is where we have all the threads all over the place, and in the second episode, they all start coming together. Back in London, Jack and Clara go back to Clara's apartment to get some things, and notice that the little boy, his parents are are basically shuttling a giant bundle of something Mm -hmm. into the elevator, and it looks very suspicious, and uh, they run, race to the bottom of the building to cut off the elevator, but by the time the elevator gets to the bottom, it's empty. So they go inside, and they discover the secret panel that Clara is able to activate, you know, the secret panel with Zygon controls. 
the elevator that Clara is able to uh, uh, activate. There was some slimy gobbledygook coming out of the control panel, too. It was disgusting. It looked like someone was <laughs> squeezing the last remnants out of a grapefruit. Um, it was just yeah. juicy and gross. <laughs> it looked like pink snot. <laughs> <laughs> if, this, if this was Ghostbusters, I'd say it was ectoplasm. <laughs> <laughs> they end up deep down underneath London. Uh, in these giant caverns and they find a Zygon stronghold Uh, they dash back up to get some unit reinforcements and they end up back there later on in the episode Uh, we've sort of jumped around slightly uh, with this but they they start exploring the Zygon stronghold and there's pods everywhere and Clara seems to think that that they must be eggs of some sort and so we should we should destroy them we should you know eliminate them now and jack goes wait 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 that that's not how zygons work zygons need you know people you know keep them safe in order to to maintain the the psychic link for information and to keep the body prints and all that stuff Clara was acting like like it was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Right. And so Clara's like, no, 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 see, look. And she runs over to one of the pods and rips this film basically off the little window that's at the front of the pod to reveal her face. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is now only too late that Jack realizes what's going on. That's not Clara. No. The Clara impersonator identifies herself as Bonnie, who is actually a Zygon. And she has a trap waiting for Jack and the unit soldiers, and they are all killed. Which I was sad. I like Jack. They're all turned into sparkling Brillo pads. (laughs) We're going to do that again, aren't we? (laughs) Um, This was the one that I did not see coming. Oh, I did not see it at all. I did not see Clara being a Zygon coming at all. But I really liked it. It surprised me. (laughs) I was like, what? (gasps) No way. And then, of course, they show the flashback. And this happened like at the beginning of the episode. When she goes into the little boy's house to find out what's going on, it turns out his parents are actually Zygons. And they capture her right then and there. And Bonnie takes her place right then and there. So every interaction that Clara has had with the Doctor and with Unit, this episode has actually been Bonnie. Yeah. I did not see that coming. (laughs) It was one of those things where I I did just... (laughs) I was so focused on the other, you know, storylines going, you know... (laughs) trying to figure that out that this one just I, I didn't see it coming and when she turned around and smiled that sinister smile dude I literally just wanted to jump up and down and clap my hands because I <laughs> I was so excited to see where this was going to go <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> I almost wanted to act like an 8 year old kid right 
And the episode wraps up with the Doctor flying back to England with Osgood in tow and the captured Zygon on the plane. Kate Stewart, or a Zygon disguised as Kate Stewart, saying that unit has been um, has been neutralized in North America. Uh, London has basically been taken... Unit, unit headquarters has been taken over by the Zygons in London. And so the Doctor is the only one left. And... Bonnie has a, something for that. Uh, it's called a bazooka. <laughs> she calls the Doctor... And that helps her lock in on where the plane is. And the episode ends with her firing a missile from her bazooka at the doctor's plane. Oh, dude, watching, quote, doppelganger Clara pull this bazooka out and shoot the doctor with it. Oh, dude, I was giddy. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I was giddy because Uh this was so unexpected for this to happen. At least for me, it was, and I really like the twist in this story. Uh, this took it to a whole other level for me. Yeah, no, it was. This was a cliffhanger that I could not wait to get back to. I mean, I, <laughs> I've been excited about most of the cliffhangers this season, uh, particularly the the one from the first two parter with Davros and all that stuff, just to see what mm-hmm. was going to happen. But this is the one where I was like at the edge, at the you know the edge of my seat, going, "We gotta know more. I gotta know more. I gotta know more. And I need it now. I need it now. I need it now." Why do we have to wait a week? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness! This should have um, been a movie. <laughs> it really should have. Two-hour special. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <sighs> okay. Well. <laughs> let's not put this on a on a uh, cliffhanger for the listeners. Let, let's go to the Zygon inversion because this this is where things really get good. You think? Uh, <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. This is my favorite episode of the season so far. <laughs> I can say that without a doubt. This is the, my favorite episode of the season so far. <laughs> For multiple reasons. So, this this episode starts slightly previous to where the, the last one ends. We dive into Clara's mind. We She's basically dreaming. Because she's trapped in the Zygon pod. And, you know, is basically in a, in a, state, a state of suspended animation while Bonnie uses her mind and... You know, body print to fuel her own purposes. Uh, it, uh, was it just me, or did this take you back to Souffle Girl? Ooh, ooh, it did a little <laughs> bit. I didn't go there at first, but yes, yes, it does. Trapped in in a little space without much to do. Yeah. Um, the the weirdest thing was her going to the bathroom to brush her teeth and pulling the toothpaste out of the closet, and it the tube just says, "This is toothpaste." 
And I was going, well, that's weird. <laughs> but then black junk comes out of the tube. <laughs> disgusting. It was so gross. It looked like tar. <laughs> yeah. But she tries to figure out how to get out. She goes to the front door. There's a wall on the other side. Or there's another door locked on the other side, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she goes to open her window, and it's a wall. You know, she's basically trapped inside her apartment in her mind. And then the TV starts to fizzle. Fizzle on and into focus. And it shows what's going on from Bonnie's perspective. She's seeing through Bonnie's eyes in that TV. And it is Bonnie aiming the bazooka at the doctor's plane. And at the last second, right as uh, Bonnie is pulling the trigger, Clara grabs the TV and wrenches it sideways. Mm-hmm. And Bonnie jerks to the side and misses with her first missile. Barely. <laughs> Barely. It threw it off just enough to go right over the plane and it basically warns the doctor and Osgood long enough before she can get the second missile loaded. And Clara tries her hardest just to, you know, shake the missile and, and, you know, get it. Basically doing what the computer does when you're trying to focus on something in a game. Um, See, this was where I was uh, anxious because I knew that the TARDIS was not on the plane. Mm-hmm. I knew he had left the TARDIS back at the playground. Right. And so I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, how's he going to get out of this? You know? Right. <laughs> right. But the second missile does not miss. A try as Clara might, it does not miss. It hits the plane dead on and it explodes. Um, presumably killing everyone. Bonnie is very pleased with what she's done. Later on, Clara is sitting there in her quote-unquote living room with the remote rewinding the event she rewinds it and plays it and rewinds it again and pauses it right as the plane explodes and she notices something there's two little colored specks colored specks (laughs) falling away from the plane and they look just a bit like parachutes and Clara smiles But Bonnie's got other plans that she's doing. She's trying to initiate a panic in order to start war. A panic between Zygons and humans. And so she goes and finds one of these hidden Zygons that just wants to live peacefully. He's disguised as a human. He doesn't want anything to do with the Truth or Consequences Splinter Group. This radicalized group that Bonnie's leading. He just wants... To stay in his home and live his life disguised as a human, no one being the wiser. He doesn't want anything to do with it. But she does something that basically uh, messes with his ability to keep his body print disguise intact. Mm -hmm. And he can't control it. And he, you know, first very subtly and, you know, bit by bit starts unveiling, you know, revealing himself to be a Zygon, and then full out just loses control of his disguise and is revealed for everyone in the courtyard in front of where he lives, basically. And the whole time he's saying, help me, please help me. 
And, and nobody does anything. Nobody knows what's going on, you know. He looks like he's getting these blisters on his arms and stuff, and it's the suction cup shapes coming back, you know, and he starts getting them on his face and, yeah, you know. And then just, boom, Zygon. Um, and Bonnie films it all on Clara's phone and uploads it and uploads it basically to YouTube. Right. But they don't say it's on YouTube. Um, <laughs> Which was, this was actually cruel, you know. It was really cruel. Because um, this guy just wanted to have a normal life. He wanted to be left alone. Mm-hmm. You know. He didn't, didn't want anything with this splinter group <laughs> whatsoever. He just, he just, he was fine with the ceasefire. He was fine with the treaty that was struck during the 50th anniversary. Right. And he was perfectly okay living as a human in london with his job and his home and all this stuff right. he had a life and he was just fine living it but she he she turns him and it's really really not very nice no we do see that the doctor and osgood escaped they they did parachute down out of the plane and land on the beach <laughs> i like uh, the joke on this oh my gosh <laughs> And we get one of the funniest lines <laughs> in this these two episodes here. Um, what are Osgood, you doing with the Union Jack on your yes, parachute? <laughs> yeah, Osgood has a normal parachute, but the Doctor has this big, bright, loud <laughs> Union Jack parachute. And she's, uh, you know, the Doctor's helping her up, and he says, any questions? And she goes, yes, why do you have a Union Jack parachute for your parachute? And he goes, it's camouflage. <laughs> camouflage i'm in britain (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh my gosh Uh. oh it was the funniest thing it was the funniest thing. That was a Matt, uh, that was a Matt Smith line. <laughs> oh, it was it was really great because he just says it like, well, duh. I mean, that's <laughs> that that's like his explanation comes out like, well, duh, of course. Well, that's why I have a Union Jack parachute. He thinks it's the most obvious thing in the world to do, and she's just like, I don't think that's quite how it works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I fully expect him to come out at some point with the Viking helmet on or something. And, you know? <laughs> oh man! Oh, this is not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> That—that's a fourth Doctor reference. Yeah, I know. <laughs> nice. For people who are going, what? What are they talking about? Watch Robot. That's—that's that's Tom Baker's first episode and there's some funny <laughs> stuff with him getting uh settled into his role as the doctor um, oh it's good stuff but anyways I, was, um, was that the same viking helmet that he got when he was the first doctor oh i don't think so i think he left that one behind <laughs> the one that he was wearing was a little bit uh, louder um, <laughs> so anyway um clara has deduced what has happened to her, though? She knows what's going on, and she is working against Bonnie from within. 
and manages to send out a text from her phone that Bonnie is carrying to the doctor, saying, I'm awake. Now, the doctor has been told by Bonnie that both Clara and Kate are dead. And the doctor's got this hope problem that he's trying to, you know, hope that Clara is still out there and that this he'll be able to save her. And he gets this text and Osgood gives this theory that Clara is actually, you know, this correct theory that Clara is actually working against Bonnie from within. Osgood also revealed to him that the reason why the Zygons have the ability to re uh, remain in human form after their hosts have died is because they now have the ability, they now have developed the ability to pull uh, the image of your loved one straight from your mind. Yeah. And once they have gathered enough data, they can maintain that form even after the host has died because they have collected enough data from that host to be able to then permanently maintain that form. Yeah. And the only reason Bonnie keeps Clara around is because she needs information from Clara. Right. Which is supposed to be the reason why Kate was supposedly killed was because all they needed was basically her face. Yeah. So. And Kate, or the Zygon Kate, is on their way back to Britain now. Right. Back, back from the States to Britain. The Doctor and Bonnie have a conversation basically via FaceTime. By the way, I found it kind of funny that the Doctor had a cell phone now. I just random note. I didn't. I never. He's never. I never even I, thought of that. You know. I I know it's just so normal for us now, but I don't think I've ever seen the Doctor with his own cell phone until these episodes. I remember him answering. Um someone else's call while he's in the TARDIS, but I don't think I ever paid attention to whether or not he carried a, a cell phone or not. Yeah, I don't remember either, but he has one in these two episodes, that's for sure. The Doctor realizes that Osgood's theory is true because uh, Bonnie is having these weird tics, you know, like winking and, and trying to do Morse code by blinking and that sort of thing. <laughs> And he starts asking her, why are you blinking like that? Why are you winking at me? I'm not winking. Uh, and then he starts talking directly to Clara, even though Bonnie can hear. And he says, Clara, don't let her into your mind and don't tell her anything about the Osgood box. Yeah. And then, of course, Osgood and the doctor you know, race off in a van towards London to try and solve this issue. That's the first time that Bonnie realized that Clara was able to uh, work the system in reverse. <clears throat> right. And when she realizes what Clara's doing, she covers her eyes so the doctor can't see her blinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Um... <laughs> it was kind of funny. This this whole situation, plus what the doctor said to Clara, makes Bonnie go back and basically try to interrogate Clara. Mm -hmm. 
And I really like this scene. See, this scene might be my favorite scene of Clara's since Matt Smith's run. I was going to say the same thing. This was Clara in her element, which is funny because she's isolated in a room by herself. Souffle girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> what does that say about Clara? Anyway. She doesn't work well with others. <laughs> 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 and the doctor seems to think very highly of the fact that things are going to start going his way because Bonnie is going to start poking around in Clara's mind and he, he thinks very highly of Clara and, and her abilities in that uh, but there's there's this really great scene where Bonnie and, and Clara have a discussion about where the Osgood box is and what it can do and that sort of thing and, and how to gain access to it. And the the back and forth between Jenna Coleman and herself is a high point in this episode. Not the yeah. high point, but it is a really cool point in this episode. If I had to... If I had to pick a moment or pick an episode in which I feel like Clara has redeemed herself for me, it would be in this one. Because... Like you said before, at least for me, she's not been the same companion to the Doctor since Matt Smith was on the show. Mm-hmm. She's changed for me as a as a character, and this was going back to being the character that we knew before. You know, this was this was very much the Clara that I started out liking, mm-hmm. you know? And so this, this redeemed her for me from all the issues I had from last season. Yeah, definitely. She's, so. she's definitely on a lot more solid footing with me. And especially with this scene, you know, heading into her, her last couple episodes, I think I'm going to go out on a high note with Clara. Uh, if if this keeps up, you know, there, there was that sort of weird period for her in the middle there. But I wonder if it's a trend with uh, with companions, uh, at least in the more recent seasons, as to put them through this time frame of, you know, I don't know if I like this person anymore or not. And then right at the end. They totally redeem themselves right before they go out, you know? Right. (laughs) Well, I can safely say that I never had any of those thoughts with Donna. Uh, No. (laughs) Or Sarah Jane. But there there were a couple of of, uh, speed bumps with uh, a couple of the the companions for me somewhere in the middle. Uh, on, on several of them, I, I know I had that with Martha. I had that with Amy at one point. And it's not that I don't like the characters; it's just they—they they all specific ones had that just one time span right there in the middle where I was going. You know, I don't know if I like that that character anymore or not. You know, right, <laughs> right. And and Clara's turned that corner, and she's definitely back to one. Le- I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I can get behind her as as a really good companion, I think. But 
Bonnie does get most of the information she needs about the Osgood box, where it is, and how to get in, primarily. Yeah, Clara uh, said she wasn't going to give her all of the information because she said once you find it, you'll want to come back and talk with me again. Right. So Bonnie basically <laughs> puts Clara's pod on a dolly and has her Zygon henchmen disguised as unit soldiers <laughs> cart her around. Um, yeah, this, but the, we'll get to that later. Like the second time in the story arc that a character's been put on a refrigerator dolly. Right. <laughs> the Zygon that was is blowed up in yeah. in the president's uh, airplane. But anyway, before we get to the, the Black Archive and where this episode really all comes together and is epic and amazing, uh, the Doctor and Osgood run into... The, the Zygon that cannot control his body print anymore. They try to, to figure out the situation, try and calm him down, try and help him, but he is so paranoid that they're with the Truth or Consequences group right? that he doesn't believe them when, he, when they say, no, no, we're not with them, we want to help you. And then it seems like at the very end he gets the idea that, no, they're not with Truth or Consequences, but he looks at them and he says, doesn't matter, they'll kill me anyway. And then he commits suicide. Right. Right in front of them. Yeah, this episode has so many different layers to it. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it, it has it has the darkness in it. It has the, the humor in it. It has the, the creep factor in there. It has the suspense. It has the action. It, it's like an onion that you just continue to peel back the layers on it and you get more and more and more out of the story. It is through the conversation that the Doctor and Osgood put together the idea of the plan is that of Bonnie's plan is that she's going to create mass panic by unmasking all the Zygons and sparking a war. That mm-hmm. is her plan. And the way that they, they know how she knows how to do it is with the Osgood boxes. So they head to the Black Archives, the Tower of London. Although it is interesting, throughout these episodes the doctor keeps asking Osgood, which one are you? Right. Are you the human or the Zygon? And she never directly answers. She always either dances around the question or says, I'm Osgood. That's her standard response is, I'm Osgood. I'm me. She never, never says it. And I, I want to come back to you at the end of that to see which one you think she is. But let's let's finish the, the episode first before we get into some of the tangent details that we're going to want to talk about um (laughs) everything comes to a head bonnie with her little clara in a box get into the black archives and there are two osgood boxes a red one and a blue one yeah And there's a reason why it's called an Osgood box. Now the, because the, there's two of them. <laughs> the video, the video was in black and white, right? Right. So you don't even know which box they had sitting between them on the table. Right. And they only showed one in the video, the Osgood video. So, <laughs> oh, I should mention one thing. Um, there was a quick scene where the Osgood box was supposed to be in this unit safe house. Mm-hmm. But there's a instead of being 
and set the Osgood box being in the safe at the safe house, which is conveniently hidden behind a picture of the first doctor on the wall. Yeah, that was um, really cool. Nice little Easter egg there. <laughs> uh, there's a laptop in the safe. And the laptop plays a video of the Osgoods basically saying, I've given up the this, the location of the Osgood box. And guess what? I lied. It's not here. Stop looking for it, really. You know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, which, nice little scene, but it wasn't, you know, exactly pertinent uh, earlier. So, But I, I did want to mention it because there was the nice little first Doctor Easter egg there. Yeah. Did you have anything about that At you wanted to say? At the end of that, uh, she says... And you figured out why, haven't you? And she just leaves it hanging there, you know. She Osgood. Yeah, she she says, she says, and you figured out why, haven't you? And she just leaves it hanging there, as if the person watching the video is supposed to know exactly what she's talking about. And it leaves you with more questions at the end of the video than it did before you started watching oh, it you know? oh yeah oh, yeah no, no. She, she says there's a reason why it's called the Nazgood box yeah and, she, and you know and you figured it out haven't you you know or something like that and, it, and then she just leaves it hanging there you know it's like why is it called an Osgood box and then that's when we get to the black archives and there's two of them right <laughs> because there's two Osgoods the Doctor and Osgood found the Zygon base underneath London and were captured by Kate, by the Kate Stewart who had returned from the U.S. She has two Zygon guards with her. But guess what? It's not really a Zygon disguised with Kate Stewart. She shoots them both in the back of the head. <laughs> And then apologizes to the doctor because you know, <laughs> she knows he wouldn't like it. And he goes, he asks, how did you escape the Zygons in uh, Truth or Consequences? And she looks at him and says, five rounds rapid. Which is a direct <laughs> reference to something that her father said yeah. way back in the classic series. Uh, which basically means she shot the Zygon five times very quickly. Um <laughs> Which I appreciated. Uh, <laughs> I I thought it was going to be Kate the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, Kate was Kate was smart enough to report back uh, that she's actually a Zygon. You know, and and keep up the facade that she's a Zygon, uh, returning to London and that sort of thing. I she's smart enough and clever enough, and she's an important enough character that I didn't think that they were going to kill her. The reason the reason I didn't think she was dead. Now I didn't exactly think that she might not have been replaced per se, but the reason why I didn't think she was dead is because I didn't think they would want to let a character that interesting just go, you know. Right. Uh, right. At least not without a fitting ending. Right, and it, it, it uh, wasn't. It wouldn't have been. So, Not to mention the fact that they have big finish episodes coming out with her in them. Well, the details. <laughs> um, th- those could be placed earlier in the timeline, Paul. Um, <laughs> well. <laughs> but everyone ends up in the Black Archives, the Tower of London. And there's two boxes. And you hit the button on both of them, and a flap opens. 
and each one says truth or consequences. Yeah. Two different buttons in each box. Yeah. The red one, one of the buttons is supposed to set off a chain reaction in the atmosphere that will cause, that will activate uh, a poison and turn all the Zygons inside out. The other button on the red box is supposed to detonate the nuclear warhead that's underneath London. The blue box has two buttons, one of which is supposed to uh, unmask every Zygon for at least an hour. And the other button is designed to keep the Zygons, tra you know, in their human body prints forever. And they can never change back to actual Zygons. Which is exactly the opposite of what Bonnie wants to happen. Right. <clears throat> and so we end up with this tense situation with Bonnie at the blue box and Kate at the red box. And both of them are prepared to hit a button. They don't know which one does which. They don't know what truth does or consequences does. They have a 50-50 shot to wipe out the others, basically. And this is where the episode is epic. This is what I was referring to about the Cold War uh, mm -hmm. issues. You know, this, this really felt like, do I want to make this decision because they're going to reciprocate with another, you know, attack? Mm -hmm. you know? And, and so you almost felt like that you were at a standstill. But they were both willing to make that decision regardless of the outcome. Right. And we get this long scene of this tense argument and debate and conversation between mm. these three factions. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor, Bonnie, and Kate. And this is where Peter Capaldi threw down as the doctor oh my <laughs> lord okay first of all it's a long scene yeah. and most of it is done without any music whatsoever and i didn't realize afterward until afterwards just how long that scene was because i was so sucked into it i was so drawn into it mm -hmm. and peter capaldi nailed this scene oh yeah if you even if you don't like Capaldi at the Doctor, you cannot deny that this is one of the most amazing scenes in the history of the show. This takes you all the way back through uh, the War Doctor, through Eccleston, through Tennant, and through Smith, all wrapped into this one moment with Capaldi, and you can see that inkling of each one of those incarnations right behind the surface while he's saying everything he's saying right right he first he tries to to reason with bonnie and reason with kate mm -hmm. and then they both threaten to to push the buttons and he goes oh, okay well hands on buzzers who's ready to start the game and he starts you know going into this whole carnival man spiel and kate says doctor what are you doing this is not a game and he's right no you're right it's not and he gets very serious mm -hmm. very quickly. He shifts he, says, he shifts gears on a dime. He does. You know? And basically he says this is going this is a, 
a small-scale war right here. Because whoever fights fires the first shot, no matter how right and how just you feel in it, you never know who's going to get hurt. And he makes an impact enough of an impact for Kate to, you know, who already knows him and, and admires him, to shut her box. But Bonnie is still defiant. Bonnie won't do anything. She's not budging. She has a 50-50 chance. And she says to the doctor, you don't understand. Because she wants war. And he asks, well, what do you want after war? How will you live? And she hasn't thought about that. See, she she also brings up other things. She brings up the fact that... She doesn't use these words, but she brings up the fact that she feels disenfranchised. Because she feels like it's wrong that they can't show what they really look like to the Mm -hmm. world, you know? It's not fair. And the doctor's like, I have a TARDIS that doesn't work, and I don't have a personal tailor. Get over it, you know? Right. Right. Life isn't fair. He's like, life isn't fair. People have to make do with their lives all the time. You know, it's, it's, your lot isn't any different than anybody else's. It is basically what he's trying to tell her. You know, people don't always get what they want. It's not fair. And she throws back the whole idea of, of war. You don't understand. You don't yeah. understand how how I need to do this. And he goes, Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> and this is where it really kicked into high gear because he gets into everything about the time war. And he brings up the fact that he had it his hand on another button on another box to wipe out his entire race and my mom put it this way she said in this scene we see every incarnation of the doctor every incarnation of the doctor shows up in some fashion in this scene and it's true he he all comes together is what my mom says you see all of them at once. It's not just this one here, this one there, this one there, this one there, this one says this one, that one says that one. No. She says you see all of them at once. And it's true. Mm-hmm. You get the – you don't get Peter Capaldi's doctor. You get no. the doctor. Yeah. All of him. Yeah. In this scene. One all the way through. You know. It, and it is unbelievably amazing. Uh, yes, I did just rewatch it earlier today, and so I may still be on a high. <laughs> but I really, it's this scene. Well, I watched this scene it this is, afternoon, so right, right. But th- this scene is is what makes Peter Capaldi now my favorite of the new Who Doctors. It's Tom Baker for the classic series, Peter Capaldi for the new series. That that is, there's no question anymore. It has happened. Tennant is now number two for the newer series for me. It, 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 <laughs> anyway, he even starts going into, you know, Bonnie wants to change, it seems like, but she says, but they won't forgive me. I, they, they will not, pun, they'll, they'll punish me and they won't let me get away with this. And the doctor takes a step further and goes into this whole forgiveness speech mm-hmm. and tells her that he forgives her. Yeah. And at the very end of it all, it seems Bonnie has finally made the decision not to go through with this. To acquiesce to the doctor's request and to let it go. And then she stops, she looks at the box, and she looks at the doctor. And she says, they're both empty, aren't they? 
you wouldn't actually make us make this choice, would you? And he looks at her and he says, no. No, I wouldn't. It's interesting. He says, you think that because you're starting to think like me. Now, I, right. I found this interesting that he was so passionate about this. And then, you know, after all of that, she says they're empty. And honestly, I felt like that when he agreed with her, that he was lying. Because I don't think he would have been nearly as passionate about what he was saying if it was really and truly empty. You know what I mean? No, I I think they are empty, but he has to make them see. His whole thing, and he gets into this with his conversation, his monologue, is that he has experienced and caused so much suffering, and he hears the screams and the cries of all those who have died because of choices he has made, and the decision to start a war and to be part of a war that took so many people. And he, his motivation is to prevent that sort of pain and that sort of suffering from ever happening to anyone else ever again. And so he's passionate because he has to make sure that they get it that they see this and that they understand it and that they can accept it and believe it and live it. That's why he's so passionate. And then Kate goes, okay, well, now that we know the boxes are are empty, we can't forget this. And the doctor puts on his sonic shades. Well, he calls them sonic specs in this episode, (laughs) by the way. He puts on his sonic specs, looks up at the ceiling and says, that's what you said the last 15 times. And he sonics the, the little machine there in the Black Archives that wipes memory, and it sparks, and, well, half the people in the room lose their memory of what happened. Right. Kate and the two Zygon guards lose their memory. The Doctor, Clara, Osgood, and Bonnie remember everything and the doctor does that because Bonnie is changed she is changed and because she's changed that knowledge will help to keep the peace and we see further proof of that (laughs) as the doctor is escorted back to the TARDIS the doctor and Clara are escorted back to the TARDIS by Osgood. Yeah. The original Osgood of this episode. Because. At, or is she the original Osgood she? of this episode? <laughs> or is she? Because there's a second Osgood now. Bonnie says, well, now that Clara is back to being around, I can't really have her body anymore. And so she becomes the other Osgood. And she drops the name Bonnie. Mm-hmm. And becomes Osgood again. And be, well, not again, but becomes Osgood. And so now we have two Osgoods again. <laughs> and the doctor is still like, okay, which one? <laughs> which one are you? And Osgood, both of them say, 
will answer that question. When nobody cares anymore. When nobody cares anymore. And he just sort of looks at them, nods, you know, kind of sideways and <laughs> steps back into the TARDIS. And the two Osgoods go off to protect the world again. Ice cream? In peace. Sure. Ice Let's go is... get some ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> ice cream. And then back to work. What are we doing today? Well, you know, saving the world, keeping the peace. <laughs> Just a normal day. Yep. You know. <laughs> and the last scene, the last scene was a little, it was interesting. It was real short, but it was really interesting. Clara and the Doctor are heading off in the TARDIS. And she asks, well, you thought, I, you thought I was dead, didn't you? Because, you know, Bonnie earlier told him that Clara, excuse me, that Clara was dead. And he goes, yes. Saddest month of my life. She looks at him and goes, well, come on. You only thought I was dead for like five minutes. And he just, you know, trying to joke with him. But he looks at her very seriously and says, I'll be the judge of time. Mm-hmm. You know, starts to tart us off again and walks off into, you know, up to his bookshelves. And that's how it ended. It was, it was just really interesting. And I, I don't know what to make of that scene yet, but I feel like that's sort of, something that will be important when we get to Clara's end. Now, was I mistaken or uh, the second new Osgood that showed up, was she dressed as the uh, the eighth doctor? The seventh doctor. The seventh? Yes, yeah, she had the the silk scarf the, the short silk silk scarf with the tie and the, okay. the vest underneath her her overcoat okay so um, I couldn't I I, it, I didn't make that out very very easily yeah well I know that because I know Sylvester McCoy's costume inside and out because I want to read it <laughs> so um, anyway <laughs> but um but yeah so Oh, we, we also get a brief hybrid discussion in this episode because on the plane, Osgood tells the doctor, you know, basically I'm both Zygon and human. The doctor's like, I can't believe that. That's not true. So you're some sort of hybrid. She goes, if you like, basically yeah. she's, she's avoiding the, the answer to if she's the Zygon or the human Osgood. And so, we still get that that through line of hybrid and like like I said I think whatever this hybrid prophecy is is going to have to do with Clara's demise or Clara herself. Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing where they go with that. Now, Osgood, the one that we had for most of the episode, the one that was left over after Missy killed the first or the second. Was she Zygon or human? What's your thought? My thought, personally, is that she's the human. And the reason I say that is because 
in my brain, it makes more sense that the second copy of Osgood would have copied the human mm. and not another Zygon. I want to lean that way too. But I don't know. Exactly. You know. But it would be so much more interesting. It would be so much more interesting if we had two Zygons as the Osgoods keeping the peace between humans and Zygons and them actually genuinely and honestly keeping that peace. Right. It would be so much more interesting to learn that that was the case and I wouldn't put it past them <laughs> but I do think it's more likely I think it's like 60-40 60% <laughs> she's going to be the human 40% it's the Zygon but still I have no real idea but either way you still even if one's human and one's Zygon you still don't know which one's which right you know <laughs> I'm sure they switch <laughs> wardrobes all the time. They well, one one had the uh, Matt Smith bow tie and the the uh, Tom Baker scarf on at the same time. <laughs> yep. You know, the other one, um, I think at one point, if I'm not mistaken, had the question mark shirt uh, of uh, the fifth and sixth Doctor, and I think the vest of the seventh, maybe. Yeah. Oh, um, the. Uh... The main costume Osgood wore um, was sort of a Fifth Doctor knockoff. Not knockoff, but a Fifth Doctor-inspired costume. It had the the white shirt with the question marks on the, on the lapels right. underneath. And she had basically a sweater that was the same color of, uh, or similar color to the Fifth Doctor's coat. But it's not the first time we've seen her mix and match the different outfits either. Right. You know. Uh, so I, I think that's really neat to see, like, the different combinations, though, of, of what different Doctor's outfits would look like if you put them together in different combinations and stuff. Yeah. 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 It is kind of funny. Maybe one, is... maybe one day we'll see her in the frilly third Doctor shirt or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the first Doctor checkered pants. <laughs> And a giant black coat for the second Doctor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, <laughs> and wearing three and wearing three D glasses at the same and, time. And don't forget uh, that the Doctor let her wear his sonic shades in this episode. Yes, uh, because her her glasses were broken for a time. So what was that? She, after, what was that she said about them? Um, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, what is it? Uh, Sonic Sonic Specs? Isn't that like making a hearing aid that can see or something like that? <laughs> you know, making a visual hearing aid? That's what it was. Isn't that like a, making a visual hearing aid? <laughs> oh, oh little... first she said, isn't that a little pointless? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a little pointless? Like a visual hearing aid. He goes, I like pointless. You know? <laughs> He said, once I made an invisible watch. <laughs> you, can, you can see the pointlessness of that design. <laughs> so. Oh, and then man. she puts them on and she's like, whoa. And he's like, right. see? <laughs> no, no, 
he hands them to her and he says, "Don't check my browser history." <laughs> and you hear the and you hear the, the the glasses, you know, buzz, and she goes, "Whoa!" And he goes, "See." <laughs> I feel like the doctor has spent his entire time looking up cat videos on YouTube. Um. But isn't that pointless? <laughs> yes, it is. There you go. Oh, he follows boy. Grumpy Cat. Um, anyway. Somehow I could see that happening. It's <laughs> the point uh -oh. of being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. Exactly. Uh, uh, oh man. Okay. And any final thoughts before we give this our rating? Oh, uh, dude, did you pick up on all the social commentary that was going on in this? It was all sort. It was all over the place, <laughs> dude. It was. It was. It 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 referenced racism. It referenced uh, war. It referenced. Uh, it was yeah. It, it had like Cold War commentary it, and. You know stuff like with ISIS and yeah. you know Muslim extremism and uh, like you said racism and and this is a very third doctor thing to do. It, the third doctor has a lot of social commentary in his episodes, and not not to say the others don't have some of that, but the third doctor definitely did. And and this is I think the first real like over, almost overtly commentary on social issues in not, the, not only the new that, series. Not only that, it also referenced the fact that we have entire groups of people, uh, not only in our society, but in other societies as well, that have this automatic mental fixture that they, they feel like they're disenfranchised in some way. You know? Mm -hmm. And... The, the point that he was making about that was everybody, everybody in some way or another is disenfranchised in some way. Right. And, and what makes the difference is whether or not you're willing to get past that and change the way you see the world so that you can move forward and stop being disenfranchised because you're holding yourself back. Right. I thought... Or if you're just going to, to sit there... And sulk. As a victim. Yes. So... You know, because we've got we've got whole groups of people, and, and I'm not even going to get into specifics on that, but we've got whole groups of people who... All over the planet. Who want to play the victim because... It's easier to play the victim than it is to get up and and fix it yourself. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And that addresses that whole thing with when he's talking to the Zygon High Command, you know, uh, about the fact that she says that she, that it's not fair it, that she feels right. disenfranchised in some way. It's not know? fair, and you know, he he goes, you know. Oh, that's I have a TARDIS that doesn't always work, and I don't have my own personal tailor. And she goes, "Let's don't equate." And he goes, "So what? It's not fair. We're life isn't fair. Nobody gets it gets a fair shake, you know. Everybody in some way or another is treated unfairly in some way, even if it's a, a minor thing. You know, somebody is going to be 
mistreated or, or disenfranchised or something in this area and then somebody else is going to be in the other area and somebody else is in this other area and nobody can have 100% perfect situation in their life and and you know that addressed that social commentary on top of all of the other you know cold war stuff and racism stuff and the whole nine yards it was so much social commentary in this that it blew my mind how but it, how deep the story was you know but it didn't get in the way of the story it, that was the amazing thing is it wasn't like preachy exactly it wasn't preachy you know but I did like the one line that the doctor said when she said, I will not change my mind. And he said, well, then you will die stupid. You know, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, within reason, everybody has the option to be able to change their mind about something and see the world in a different way. Right. You know? And I think that was kind of the point, you know, is... We, we have more things in common than we realize a lot of times if we just mm -hmm. get the stupid stuff out of the way right. and reach out to one another on our common ground. And, and right. that was what he was trying to get across to them in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. It was It was intense. It was real <laughs> intense. And I, I enjoyed the heck out of these episodes. Okay. I'm going to give my rating real quick just because uh, it will be the first time I've ever done this. I'm giving <laughs> the Zygon Invasion and the Zygon Inversion a 10. <laughs> this is my, the first the first storyline <laughs> I've done this with. And I've, I've been saying I'm saving the high numbers for something really amazing. And this is really amazing. So I'm giving, I'm giving this a 10. A 10 out of 10 Zygons. I'm going to give it a 10 as well. <laughs> believe it or not i like this one better than the davros episodes wow um yeah and i love davros he's really cool uh <laughs> now I, i'm gonna say this too i didn't think that this needed to be any longer or any shorter i thought it was perfectly length, you know perfectly length uh to tell the story and i thought it was very very well balanced I did not think that the first or second halves were heavier than the other. I thought they were just right. Obviously, there was more setup in the first episode and more resolution in the second. Uh, more setup in the first and more resolution in the second, but that's just because of the nature of storytelling. Uh, but I do agree there was enough action and intrigue in the first episode that the setup didn't get in the way now, it, it the way they set it up the way they set it up was very organic and it was very mm -hmm. it was very um fluid feeling for me and and hey you know, maybe that's because they were you know using the ability to push the, the zygons to their limit with this the way they told the story you know but I I just I really enjoyed you know I I didn't have any any real you know criticisms at all about the way this story was told. I mean the only thing that I would have changed is found some way to keep Jack alive. 
Because I liked her. I thought, like, mm. oh, yay, we have another unit person that we can actually know who they are. Nope. Never mind. She <laughs> did. Um, so you, you but... were hoping that there would be a Zygon of her or what? <laughs> no. It's just... I, characters like that, I'm like, oh yay! I, I like I like the little characters that show up every so often. You know, it's like Wedge Antilles in Star Wars. He he manages to show up in each of the three original movies, uh, and he survives the whole thing. And I was like, yay! I like him. He's cool. Uh, and I always notice when he shows up. And Jack sort of fell into that category for me this time. And I'm like, oh, now I can't see her anymore. Well, for me, you know, for me, it worked out the way that it did because you cared about the character and then when the character died it made the stakes higher right it did that's true and so that was the thing that i that i liked about that uh not that i you know didn't care if the character lived or died i mean obviously it would have been nice but uh, i just i thought that that was was used in a really good way if you have to kill this character do it for the, the you know the the purposes of making it matter Right, no. and within the story, it made sense, and so I have no issues with the death occurring. It's just like, oh, it was that character, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, these the best episodes of this season by far, the best episodes for Capaldi by far, and in contention for the best episodes of the new series, I think. So, just out of curiosity, if you were going to rate the different story arcs of this season how do you think you would rank uh, rate them or rank oh you know, rank them yeah like from favorite to least favorite or what obviously this is going to be number one yeah oh goodness and then it's real close between the Maisie williams episodes and the davros episodes mm-hmm. i think those could switch places and I still really do like Under the Lake and Before the Flood, but I think those two uh, would come in last. So Very, very, very close to being my third pick, but I think they'd be my fourth pick, too. So what, how would you rank the, the season so far as far as well, story? If, for me, it's kind, of, it's kind of weird because I want to say that I like the Maisie Williams episodes better, but then I really like the Davros episodes too. And I think it would, I mean, obviously it would be cheating to say I like this half better than that half and everything else. But if I really and truly had to say, I, I would, I would probably say that, that I like the Davros episodes just a hair more. Uh, than the Maisie Williams episodes? Yeah, because they've got Davros in them and I'm right. a big Davros fan, but it would be so close that uh, it's almost indistinguishable, you know. Gotcha, um, gotcha. But the Zygon episodes would be on top. But now, if we were only talking about the first half of each one of those stories, <laughs> um, I, I liked the Davros story much more than I did the Maisie Williams story in the first half. Right. Uh, now, right. if we're talking about the second half... The Maisie Williams story might went out a little bit, you know. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, but I've not disliked a single story arc this season at all. Right. The only episode that I really was like, well, I, I'm not sure how that turned out was Under the Lake, 
but it was redeemed by before the flood. Um, oh, more more than redeemed, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. That that was definitely something that you had to watch together to really get the impact. But anyway, all right. Well, we are not. We will be back next episode uh, with another series nine episode review because we've got our first standalone episode coming up next. Uh, this weekend coming up will be the episode titled Sleep No More, uh, written by Mark Gaddis, uh, who has written several episodes for the new series, as well as a couple of Doctor Who novels, uh, I might add. And I know has been th- thrown around as a name, as a possible, you know, as a f- possible fan replacement uh, for Stephen Moffat, should Stephen Moffat step down. But Mark Gaddis has as the writer of Sleep No More, and that will be our first standalone episode of the season. Not a two-parter. So we will be back next episode with a review of Sleep No More. So Uh, Gaddis, he he co-produces Sherlock, right? Yes, and he plays uh, Mycroft Holmes in Sherlock, and he was uh, Professor Lazarus in... David Tennant's episode, uh, The Lazarus Experiment. Yeah, the one so. where the dude transforms into the big, ugly creature. <laughs> yeah. Not one of the better episodes of David Tennant's run, but it had some, it had its had moments. some creep factor to it. Yeah, and it had its moments. Alright. Any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode, Paul? Mm, I'm good. <laughs> oh give me another five hours to watch these episodes two more times you know two or three more times and i will talk your ear off about how amazing they are but i won't do that so to you guys you want to go back and watch them again and come back and re-record another part of this no no no, no, no. <laughs> um, i think i think my fanboy gushing is probably <laughs> just hit its limit before it becomes annoying uh, <laughs> All right, well, I think that wraps this up. Uh, of course, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, talk to us about your thoughts on these two episodes. Obviously, we recorded these very soon after the episodes aired, uh, and so we didn't get uh, around to getting your responses to this um, because also I was at Tucson Comic Con all weekend and had no time to spend on our Facebook page. <laughs> so, um, to me, and I dropped the ball on that. So. Well, you were trying to find the episodes, so, and that was the most important part of it. Uh, but uh, we do want to hear your thoughts. If you want to leave a comment, you know, on our episode post for this episode and tell us what you think about these two episodes. Please let us know. Go ahead and do that on Facebook.com slash TalkingTimelords. Or you can tweet at us at at TalkingTimelord or email us at TalkingTimelords at gmail.com. All that information plus our full catalog of podcasts is available on our TARDIS on the internet, which is TalkingTimelords.com. Anything else, Paul? Last call. Just looking forward to our next episode, man. <laughs> Oh, it has a lot of work to even compare to these two. I will say this. If you do not mind, please don't forget to leave us a review uh, and leave us a rating anywhere you see our podcast and it has that option available. It will help us greatly. 
iTunes in particular. Yes. Um, all right. Well, that wraps up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 23, Truth or Consequences. For Paul, I'm Jason, and until next time... May you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, guys. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows. Thank you.